Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast is brought to you by Poor Richard's Cafe and Star Local Media. Poor Richard's Cafe, Plano's oldest restaurant since 1973. They are open daily from 5.30 a.m. to 2.30 p.m., serving the three most important meals of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dessert. It is true Texas homestyle cooking made with love and grit at his Poor Richard's Cafe, located off of Avenue K in Plano. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Justin Thomas, and we are here to wrap up our Spring Football Roundup Series. Um, we have two more districts to talk about, including our last in 5A, so let's get cracking, Justin. Let's talk District 4-5A, Division 1. This is, as a quick refresher, this is the district that has the three Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD schools, so Creekview, Newman-Smith, and R.L. Turner, plus Birdville, Colleyville Heritage, Denton, Denton Ryan and Grapevine, a district that um, you know. Now that the school year's done, you know we can look back and say that, like, you know what, realignment was a good thing for Carrollton Farmers Branch in some sports. You mm-hmm. look at the, like what happened with the, uh, you know, some of the volleyball programs or soccer and our alternative baseball in the year that they had and whatnot. So it, realignment wasn't a, a total like just feed them to the wolves sort of outcome for CFB ISD. Football, though, on the other yeah, hand, was, was um, they took their lumps on the football field last year, no doubt. And well, this was a beast of a football. District oh yeah, last year. one that you just immediately looked at upon realignment and like, crap. Yeah. Oh, it's <laughs> they're uh, they're just not going to have uh, they're just not going to be a whole lot of just truly yeah. winnable games with some of these programs, just juggernauts like yeah. Ryan and I mean, Heritage. Ryan made state semis. Birdville made the fourth round and lost to Ryan. Grapevine <laughs> made the third round and lost to Birdville. So they're so they just they beat up on each other, playoffs yeah. and then eliminating each other in the playoffs until Denton Ryan ran into Highland Park. One of the just as far as those top four goes, definitely one of the best districts yeah. districts in that region. So just a just and then you look at Denton Ryan. They have the co MVPs coming back and Billy Bowman and Drew Sanders. They had the offensive MVP, Amani Bailey, coming back. They had the defensive MVP, Trey Smith, coming back. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they also had the offensive and defensive newcomers of the year in the district, too. So they'll be coming back also. So I think Denton Ryan's going to be pretty good again. Yeah, <laughs> it would appear to be the case. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, another year that's probably, uh, you know, I don't know how much is going to change relative to those at least top four in the district last year, but we're going to focus on the three Carrollton schools and just kind of catch you all up on just what they have going on at this juncture of the offseason. Um, let's start with Newman-Smith, I guess the de facto uh, city champ, yeah, the city from, champ. Uh, from CFB ISD. Um, so, yeah, Justin, what is the read on the Trojans who, uh, who tied as part of a three-way tie for fifth place? last year in yep. the district. And you said the city champ, they beat Turner 41-7 and then finished off the season beating Creekview 21-18 mm-hmm. to get that championship. So 3-7 uh, and seven overall record. Um, they're going to have to do some real tooling. They lose you know, a couple second team all-district players, quarterback Dane McMahon and running back Jacoby Johnson. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to retool in the backfield. But um, looking at Smith, I think this is a team Paul Ressa, they're going to hang their hat on their defense, and in particular their front seven. Um, Brandon Stiegel was one of their three all-district players who is returning at linebacker. Damian Alston there at linebackers, 
primed for a good year. And then the defensive front should be pretty strong behind Jeremiah Brown, Andrell Edwards, and mm-hmm. Cameron Taylor. So I think that's going to be kind of the strength of Newman Smith will be the front seven defensively there. And then you'll see how some guys like Sanjay Jones, Blake Austin fill into roles in the secondary there. Okay. They uh, yes, yeah, so they went two and five in district last year, tied with uh, with rival Creekview and um, in Denton High School. You know, Creekview was able to get that yeah. second district win over uh, over Denton to pull even in yeah. that uh, in that three way tie for fifth place. So um, with the Mustang, it's just yeah. kind of what real, is uh, real quick just to finish up on Smith. I absolutely. Just mention, I think you're going to see Junior Doug Hill get the quarterback's slot. Okay. So he'll have, be a little young and inexperienced there, but he should have. Um, some pretty good weapons there, and Marshall Funches, who was mm-hmm. an all-district receiver uh, last year, and also Corey Wyatt, he was also all-district. I think you might see him playing a little bit more running back this year to replace Johnson, but okay. some some good weapons there for uh, Doug Hill if that's who emerges this fall as the as the starter under center. Up a couple a couple all-district picks at the skill positions for uh, for Newman Smith. So um, yeah, with Creekview, just what is kind of the read right now in the Mustangs? A very very run-heavy look for the Mustangs last season. Yeah, they. Uh, you know, got off to a really tough start, but um, finished strong. You know, they beat Turner, then they beat Denton, thirty to thirteen, pretty convincingly. They had the chance to finish on a three-game win streak if they could have pulled out that Smith game, but mm-hmm. came up a little short. Um, you mentioned run heavy, and they should be a pretty good running team again because their uh, kind of their strength coming back is all on the line. When you look yeah. at uh, guard Jack Parker, he was a first teamer. Noah Wirtz was a second teamer tackle, and then. Isaiah Pena, who's a kind of a tight end H-back, and he was actually their uh, second-leading rusher behind their quarterback, Donovan Bacar. He had uh, 90 carries, 499 yards, mm-hmm. and five touchdowns. They, you know, they're going to hand it off to a bunch of different people. I think maybe so- something like 12 people carried the ball last year or something. So Goodness. they had a lot of a lot of touches. Um, you know, it goes with their quarterbacks and their triple option. Um, so Bacar is gone. Brett Esch did see some time at quarterback last year. He was 21 of 37, 284 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. And he also ran for 280 yards and a score. So, um, and in a run-heavy offense yeah. like that, I mean, those are at least yeah, like you're not expecting pretty consistent eye, reps, yeah. numbers from the in the passing game from the yeah. quarterback anyway. But um, Bacar was kind of more of a playmaker, so it's going to be tough for them to replace them. But you kind of got to like what they got in the line in a running back. They lose their top three receivers, but kind of as you mentioned, not. Not something they really lean on anyway. No. So, um, defensively, Aaron Cyrus and Blaze Ramirez are back. So um, I know, talking to Coach Klein last year, he was really impressed with what he saw from Blaze at the inside linebacker spot. So he's going to kind of quarterback the defense there. Um, sure, he wasn't just awestruck by that first name of his. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was, but he, uh, he plays with a Blaze as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, so they have Aaron Cyrus back at cornerback. They do have to replace Denarian Beasley. I th- believe mm-hmm. he's at the Colony now. I've seen him on some seven-on-seven seven mm-hmm. Twitter pictures. So I think he transferred over to the Colony. So that's another tough loss for the secondary there. But mm-hmm. um, so we'll see if they can kind of build on what they uh, how they finished last year, finishing pretty strong, almost mm-hmm. on that three-game win streak. And then um, R.L. Turner. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier. It wasn't just you know just a few years ago or whatever that R.L. Turner looked to be uh, you know making a bit of a bit of a comeback. You know, yep. I believe they had a uh, had a season which what they won like six games or yeah. something like that. I mean, just uh, so. But nevertheless, you know, uh, you know the the uh, the Lions took some lumps last year in their first year under Isaiah Young. Yeah, when oh, Mike, Michael Ramirez kind of led that resurgence and mm-hmm. then took a AD role with CFB. So Coach Young came in last year as first year to replace him, and it. Didn't go too well. Wow. They went zero uh, and nine. They had a game canceled, which was might might have been the game they had the best chance of winning. But zero and nine, their closest margin of victory was twenty three seven. They weren't very competitive in district, and 
they need to find a way to get the offense going because they only—they didn't have any game where they had more than one scoring drive last year. So tough to win if you're only scoring once a game. That's a surprising statistic. <laughs> yeah. Um, Damian Saldana is kind of their best returner. He was an all-district player at tight end. He had nine catches for 130 yards. They have two quarter, two players they worked at quarterback last year, and both are back. So at least they have some experience there, but they'll need to kind of minimize their mistakes. They low completion percentages, more touchdown or interceptions and touchdowns, I guess, if you would ex- as you would expect. Uh, we're talking about Sergio Santiago and Connor Holtman there. So the both were juniors last year. They'll both be back this year. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see if they're still kind of splitting the duty or if somebody kind of emerges as the, the go-ahead guy mm-hmm. there. And then, um, I mean, you, you always know that just like the second offseason under, under a new head coach can always, I yeah. guess, pr- you know, more just having the continuity and more of an understanding as far as kind of the expectations and yeah. what to, how, where your program is at. So, I mean, who knows ultimately what it'll mean for yeah, Turner. Last and year, Coach Young came in pretty made a, a Pretty late. I want to yeah. say he was hired kind of mid mid to late May, so he didn't get much of the yeah. season with him at all there. And that can definitely, you know, you know, pay its uh, you know, its dividends when you think of just like that, you know, not getting much of a spring under your belt, yeah. and then you go into the uh, you know into those fall practices, and you're having to get caught up on so much, especially if he was you know installing any new schemes and whatnot. And it can yeah. definitely not put you in the best of situations heading into the season, especially in a district like that where just the the margin for error is so slim. So yes, maybe a full off season will, at the very least, um, you know, maybe get that air pointing back up for the Lions yeah. next season. And, um, yeah, that's just a look at kind of where things are at for Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD, um, again, and what should be a, a, a pretty a pretty tough district all around, yeah. once again. if the even, uh, even if they make the strides kind of they're inspecting, it's st- expecting it's still going to be tough to crack the top four in that district. Yeah, with Heritage, Birdville, Grapevine, and Denver High, and all seemingly in yeah. good spots to repeat as playoff qualifiers out of that district. Um, and that is a look at, uh, I guess, the last of our 5A districts as part of our spring football roundup series. Got one more 6A district on the docket and that is big old District 96A. So we will do a quick line change and pick that up after a word from the sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Star Local Media. 14 newspapers and websites with a print distribution of 270,000 homes and monthly page views of 600,000 online. Star Local Media, your community voice for news. And now let's get back to the podcast. And we have reached the finish line. We are here to talk about the last district in our spring football roundup series. We have Taylor Raglan and Kendrick Johnson to help discuss District 96A. Uh, Allen, Plano ISD, McKinney ISD, Prosper, Jesuit, uh, one of the biggest districts that we cover. So let's get rolling. A district that I think, um, at the very least, as far as at this present moment in time, what is it? What is it? June 10th. This present moment in time and where these teams are at, a district that could have a bit of a different look to it next year. After a year where we had the top four of Allen, Plano East, Prosper, McKinney. Um, I feel like at least one of those teams for sure has had a different outlook um, since uh, since we last spoke of them. Uh, Plano East, Taylor. Uh but what do you even make of Plain East right now? Speechless. Yeah, yes. Um, I, I mean, basically, it's, it's going to be on yeah, it's going to be a completely different team, identity-wise, and I mean not just on offense, the entire team. Because mm-hmm. you look at their returners, um, and, and head coach Joe McCullough has already basically said that you know the leader and, and the captain, um, you know the kind of the spearhead of this team is going to be Kayvon Hamilton on defense yeah. on the defensive line, um, and the defense as a whole is going to have to be. Uh, I think the identity of the team and and really uh, kind of the thing that drives the bus because they don't bring back anything uh, on offense. Sound like two years ago when when Hines left, how that team was 
Like they had the youngsters that were seniors last year. Remember them? Yeah. They didn't develop as good as everybody thought they were as when they were juniors, and they put all that pressure on the defense, and they couldn't take all that pressure. I think the defense will be okay, but I mean, there's just there are so many questions on offense because the only skill position returner uh, coming back is Trey Jones Scott. That's ran, a good one. He's a good one. He's yeah, a great a athlete. He ran for the numbers yes. are a little very fast, a little misleading because I think he ran for eight or nine hundred yards, uh, which on the surface doesn't seem like you know blowing it out of the water and having an incredible year but he wasn't featured yeah, the way they a, will be this pass year pass happy offense yeah i mean he got his fair share of carries you know a lot of play action stuff that kind of stuff but you know this year they're really going to ask him to be the bell cow and, and to carry the load on offense like i said he's the only person coming back they lose brandon mallory under center they lose every receiver essentially mm. i mean they they bring back almost nothing and i know that you know it's easy for for mccullough to be optimistic now and talk about the talent coming up the jv team i think was unbeaten last year mm-hmm. um had a really good uh, season, so there is talent. Yeah. You know, it's, and, just, it's just unproven. And there's something to, to to be said for expectations and having a year like they did last year and, and winning eight games for I think the first time in more than a decade. So mm-hmm. there's definitely a trajectory there and some expectations that have been set out. But man, it's it's going to be a completely different uh, team, a completely different feeling team, I think. Um, and and obviously the quarterback position and the receiver position because sometimes you see schools where you know at, at Plano West they're still pretty uncertain with their quarterback. Um, um, they're they're a little uncertain outside, but they have some pieces coming back. Both of those groups, they don't know who's going to be under center at East. Um, they have a transfer coming in. I think Ryan Faust got next to no playing time last year, um, but he's in the mix. And then they don't bring back any wide receivers. You know, it's not one or the other. It's not like you can have a new quarterback throwing to some established receivers or some new receivers with a Brandon Mallory. You lost it all. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Here's a question. Because Matt would know this because he knows everybody in Prosper. Does Prosper have a new quarterback? Prosper yeah. does, yeah. Yep. Prosper. Like, who, who do, other than, like, and I can't, you can't really count Seth Cox from McKinney because he really didn't play exclusively. Right. He, he filled in. Who's quarterback? That's going to be a difference because <laughs> um, Boyd has no idea. Yep. Jack Hagan may even play quarterback. Really? He may get in the mix. And then um, Seth Cox uh, from McKinney. Plano East got a new one. Plano's going to get a new one. And Allen's got a new one. one. So that's going to The only thing else. Only one, right? Huh? Got the kid from Jesuit to come back. Okay, but he's actually, I believe he's actually, he's at Capel. Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, Kevin uh, Schumann, because that was, I was out covering seven on seven last week, and I, <laughs> I, I, when I was watching Capel, though, and I, you know, just, I, Justin Thomas kind of told me a few names to look out for there, and I went back and told him, like, hey, I don't, you know, recall seeing this kid on their roster last year, showed him a picture of the quarterback, and their coach confirmed that it was Kevin Schumann. Wait a minute, that name sounds familiar, and yeah, sure enough, it was the Jesuit <laughs> quarterback from last year, so yeah, I believe he's at Capel now. So, Plano West is, I guess, one of the only teams that yeah. theoretically have. In theory, because Danny Davis and Will Cannon are, are both back, and they split time last year with Danny Davis starting uh, more often than not and, and saw a lot of time under center. But but even you know bringing a new head coach and Tyler Sukup in, he's basically started from square That's one. Thing. It could be Danny Davis. He could, he could emerge as the best option, but he's having a completely new, completely fresh competition, yeah. essentially. He's because saying, I will say this. McKinney did last year. They had a bunch of known They still have guys. I still don't know on the roster, and they found a way to do it, so it can be done. <laughs> yeah, we're saying Absolutely. in theory, just because there was a changing of the guard there at head coach at Plano West, so not necessarily who yeah. was in their position from last year. That not a guarantee that'll carry over. Plano West was one of two programs that had a, a change in head coach, and this was man like this was low key such a fascinating subplot in the offseason as far as mm-hmm. how McKinney Boyd was going to fill this coaching opening and how Plano West was going to fill its. And with Boyd, um, they got a great hire. They got they did. Boyd. That is a yeah, to to Lord Joe McBride. 
Clyde, who had a very successful run at Capel, you know, not too long ago as head coach. You could get without getting the state championship. He was, um, I mean, he was their athletic director for a bit, but they were to lure him back into the coaching ranks. So, what has been the read right now on how Coach McBride has Boyd coming along? They definitely going to be a lot different. uh, I I went to the spring game. uh, The lines is going to be the key. They're trying to get bigger, more athletic Mm -hmm. up front because, uh, kind of like he was saying uh, with. uh, Trey Jones Scott They're going to feature To Tyler Shaw He barely got like He he didn't struggle Two games That had 780 yards And 10 touchdowns So wow. this year He's going to get the ball 20 times a game Maybe more than that So he's definitely Going to be the bell cap But we're going to have To have the line To be able to give him The holes And keep him healthy mm. First somebody missed The block on the first um, Player in the spring game He got He had a nicked up angle like Something you can't have In the regular season And I have no idea Who's going to be The quarterback <laughs> I don't even want to put out names is how much I don't know. On the perimeter, they have um, decent talent. Kareem Coleman is a guy that's a playmaker that has oh, yeah. to be consistent with the hands. But once he do catch the ball, he's probably one of the top three fastest kids in the district, I'd say, hands down. And he can make plays in the special team. Defense is going to be different. It's going to be a new scheme. I don't even know what kind of scheme they run. So everything's going to be straight scratch. So, yeah, yeah it's going to – like the defense has potential. They got um, – um, Bianchi and them back in the safeties. Uh, it'll be a sophomore next year, but um, I don't really know what they're running and what they're expecting. So they, they if we say wild card, that's you can put the the Bronco logo and you put wild card. I have no idea what to expect from them. So how does it like compare relative to McKinney, which enters its second offseason under Marcus Shavers and one of the better turnaround jobs last season, as oh, far at least as far as how the program began the year and how they finished. Oh, the, the, the goal is to not only get the playoffs but to win a game. They they're expecting. To go to at least the area around mm-hmm. that that's that's the expectation. It's not no. Well, we hope we're gonna fall in there. And they got every, year two. It's like everybody know what to expect because a lot of people like uh, like as Coach Shavers like to say, line football ain't for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people got the memo, and um, they have a lot of talented guys, but they don't have experience. Like Seth Cox, um, the offensive coordinator, is very high on him. He has potential. He he has the look. He's like six three, six four, drop back quarterback. Gonna be able to make some plays. And then I got, got an Adrian Shepard who has a chance to be the bell cow, but right now they got a, a stable. But you know, McKinney always finds somebody. Yeah. If you look through the record books, they've they've gone maybe more than like no more than two years without a thousand yard back in the last two years. You had Gaddick with two thousand three and yet Cordrick Dunn last year a thousand five. So mm-hmm. the standards high to replace those big shoes. And they got a guy named Isaiah Wallace who is who's a guy that's kinda like a uh he's a slot guy, kinda like a like a NFL Landry and for the Bron- Travis Landry, yeah, he's yeah. he's got that potential, but uh, I think they're gonna find ways to get him the ball because he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. And on defense, it got Mitchell Tyler and year two of that scheme because McKinney's defense got better as the year went on. So I'm very interested to see what they're gonna do because last year they weren't as aggressive because they didn't want to get people confused. It's kind of like the Cowboys back in the day, just line up, don't mess up. <laughs> so they advanced from that and they got a lot of talent on that defense. So mm-hmm. I, I, I'm 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 still waiting, but I'm I think the line. I think the Lions are going to be pretty pretty legit to be able to get back in that playoffs. Uh-huh. And I, I, I do not expect the 0-5 start. Mitchell Tyler, uh, he, he just committed to Baylor recently, didn't he? Yes, sir. I mean, when, when do you think the last time is that McKinney High School produced like a Big 12 product? I was yeah. thinking back when you when I was reading over your story about yeah. that, and it feels like it's been a while since yeah. they've had it. That's, a, that's they, a, not my three They have guys who go to college and play and whatnot, but as far as like a Big 12 guy, I mean, yeah. that seems like a uh, He's very rangy. Rarity. He's a guy that has a, uh, for coach talk, he has a high motor, but he's always around the ball. So you want that guy that's always around the ball. You mentioned just McKinney and their, their 
tradition at, at the running back position. It's kind of a similar plight that Plano faces this season. As they, my uh, man Cumby, <laughs> that's my guy. <laughs> you want a you want a good Cumby stat, Kendrick? I I I, I, I thought it was with the eight point six. Yeah, sorry. Right, so yeah, so I posted this on Twitter. I went back through just because we've talked for years about just what a big play threat Kyron Cumby is. So just to put a historical context to it, I went back through and checked out what Kyron Cumby's yards per carry over his entire varsity career was, and compared that to the other two kind of bell cow running backs during this uh, this century of Plano Senior High School football, that being Rex Burkhead, Super Bowl champion, New England Patriot, and uh, Brandon Stevens. Um, Rex Burkhead, for his career at Plano, averaged 6.1 yards per carry. Really good. Brandon Stevens, 6.2. Kyron Cumbie, 8.6. And didn't get the ball 20 times a time. And um, and that is now uh, yeah that is now the big question mark is how does Plano go about replacing his production? Who's the now, the kid. I saw him last year. He stood. He jumped out on me. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a different type back, but he's got talent. Tylen Hines is who you're thinking of. Yeah. Yes, Tylen Hines will be um, kind of the uh, the heir apparent, so to speak, as far as the. Uh, I mean, because that's like we talked about last year. Like he was in some ways very Cumby-esque in his ability to literally turn any carry, any reception into a touchdown. Will be a lot bigger though. Mm-hmm. And um, and yeah, he's going to be a junior, so they'll have him for you know for two more years. And he and uh, you know him and Cody Christ are kind of be the uh, be the one-two punch there in the backfield. I think that their um, their situation in the backfield itself should be you know should be all right. Um, now they do have some names up front that they got to replace from last year, so that has that line last year was very underrated. Yeah, yeah, has to be taken into consideration. Where I'm curious is how they're going to approximate Cumbie's contributions as a slot receiver because that was one offensive wrinkle that Plano kind of uh, showcased last year out of the blue was taking those running backs and using them not just in the backfield but as slot receivers. And that was an area where Cumby really shined. Like Because he got the mismatch it would be but you can't if you miss him out the jam because he's, he's yeah because he's a really good route runner, has really good hands. Like it's not like even though that was his secondary position, it's not insane to think that he might have been like one of the best inside receivers mm-hmm. in the entire district. And I mean he was so valuable in converting third and long just because he's so freaking quick he could get separation Against anybody, they and ran it one time against Boy. It was thirty twenty two. He got twenty one yards without making a move. He's like, wait for his blocks and just accelerate. Yeah. Like. So now, um, without that, I mean, said I think that Hines and Christ will be able to at least keep the running game afloat strictly out of the backfield because they are still planning on doing. You know, if one is in the backfield, another might be in the slot. Um, and another name that I haven't mentioned is C.J. Perry, a guy who also had a really productive spring. Um, you know, per head coach Jadon McCullough. So. I'm anxious to see just kind of how that receiving game is going to evolve without Cumbie and if Hines, Christ, Perry, either of them are able to um, replicate what Cumbie was able to do out of the slot because that was such a such a useful weapon for them last year and such a, a valued part of their offense. Um, so you, know, you have that. And then um, this is also the first time in uh, since 2013 that Plano is going to begin the year with a junior as a quarterback or a non-senior for that matter. Um, so you know, how long since 2013? 2013. Yeah, Mitchell Hanson. They haven't won the Last five years, Mitchell. Uh, yeah, Mitchell Hanson, uh, second round MLB draft pick from way back. Yeah, he's. Um, it'll be Oliver Towns who takes the reins. You know this. Uh, you know this spring, and he's a guy who saw some meaningful reps last year. You know, it wasn't just garbage time minutes that he mm-hmm. got. You know, he was in there. You know, in, uh, in competitive games. You know, in place of uh, of Colwinet at times. So he's, he played really well against East. Yeah, that game that I saw. That that's that game that kind of shot.
shocked all of us. I yeah. thought he played really well. Yeah, that some game. flashes of brilliance last year for sure. So that does help at least getting a little bit more continuity at the quarterback position than they've had in years past. I think on paper, if nothing else, just because East lost so much and West is just kind of like who knows. West is such a question can, mark. Can, can Plan O beat McKinney? McKinney's <laughs> got their number. <laughs> they do, and, man. And now McKinney's got more talent. Man. So it's like I don't see that 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 that, that, that for some reason that's been a swing game in the district because who yeah, makes yeah. it the winner of that game which got the fourth spot. Yep. It's uh you wouldn't think that uh I mean you know what to expect whenever Plano ISD lines up across from Allen, but it would be weird that now that uh now that it's McKinney, McKinney High who yeah, 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 McKinney High's now one last district if it wasn't for the Plano East um they blew up in the second half, they would have swept them two years in a row yeah. after never sweeping them. Weird. Because <laughs> McKinney last year was like in the optics look weird because McKinney was 0 and five when they mm-hmm. beat Plano. That McKinney team went on to make the playoffs, so it doesn't look as bad in hindsight, but I don't know. It still feels like that. I feel like every year we get to that game and like, ah, you know what? Planners should take care of business. This is the year. And then, yeah, for whatever reason, man, McKinney has been a thorn in their side. So to answer your question, I don't know. History <laughs> says no, but we'll see what happens. We'll see how these teams are looking in, uh, in September or when October, whenever that happens. Uh, I know y'all whenever talk about PhD schools. It's very clear that the, whoever was the best out of McKinney, who was the best in. Uh, Plano will go head to head for probably the last two spots. Yeah, it feels like that's kind or, of been or the game. this year. It could be the second or third. It feels like that's been the way it's worked out in recent years. Yeah. Um, so we already talked Plano West, you know, at least in some detail when we were doing our spring football primer yeah. series or whatnot. Has there been anything new that's kind of surfaced since then, or not I don't really? Want to just rehash, you know, because even at, talked about even at seven on seven, they ran out Davis Cannon, Wyatt Johnson, Andrew Pico. I think at least so four quarterbacks. So. Yeah. It's going to be wide open. I think, you know, as I mentioned in, in that other podcast, Sukup's really just concerned about the culture first. As much of a buzzword as that is, that's that's truly his mm-hmm. his number one concern. He wants to implement um, a different attitude and a different approach and a different work <laughs> ethic yeah. that that uh, that he wanted to bring to the program. And he's so, I think, hyper-concerned about all of that that, you know, the actual skill position battles and stuff are going to have to wait until, mm-hmm. you know, August when, when practice really heats mm-hmm. up and all that kind of stuff. But there is some talent. I mean, I, from the spring game, Tavarius Garland, that dude's a big guy. He's, he's athletic. Cole Carter's athletic. Um, you know, there, there's plenty of guys. Greg Drawn, who saw a little bit of action but was hurt, you know, more often than not last year, it seemed like. But, yeah, I mean, not a whole lot new outside of, you know, just continuing to kind of get some action under center from all those different guys at 7-on-7, seven seven, but it's it's going to be a process. If you uh, if you put any stock into the order in which the quarterbacks are used in 7-on-7, yeah. seven seven, which those are just the little things between the lines you kind of look at <laughs> right. to see which way a team might be leaning as far as who they're, uh, who might be ahead in the quarterback battle. It was Danny Davis. It was yeah. the first quarterback a, on the field great athlete, in the one man. game that I saw, so who knows. <laughs> yeah. It's an incredibly small sample size, but just putting that out there. I mean, he is the they one with the most. Game this year. That's the real question, man. How about a game? That's I think that's where I'm at. I think that's where I'm at. I don't those guys. I don't envision. 0 and 10. I don't. I, I hope I, not. I, it could series. happen. No I, program I mean, deserves it, that. It could absolutely happen. You look at their schedule, it's the same schedule they played last year. So, I mean, it's it's not... Good luck with all that. I mean, it, it, it could happen, but I, I don't envision that. I think that yeah. they will sneak up on at least... They'll sneak up on somebody this year. They I almost, think they, they, they almost did it to McKinney last year. Yeah, they almost took down McKinney last year. Yeah, and I mean the way those Plano ISD games go. I mean, who knows? I mean, you saw that. Who would have thought that Plano was just going to completely roll Plano East last year? I mean, it yeah. it, it happens. Plano's a much better team than than West might be this fall. But you know, crazy things happen in those. You, I mean, it's high school football still. Mm-hmm. You, you have no idea. Who haven't we talked about yet? Let's see, Allen. 
We already mentioned Alan a little Those bit. Those guys. About, about, about Alan and everybody else, though. Yeah. Um, I'm anxious to see how much that theory holds true this year, just because this, I mean, as I, I don't, I don't want to rehash the same stuff that I talked about you know, from our uh, our last uh, our spring football primer podcast, but this is going to be a very different Allen team, much more inexperienced than in years past, um, including up front, where they're going to be replacing their entire offensive line and their entire defensive line. Two plights that very rarely do those same, you know, things happen in the same in the same offseason. Well, that's their mo too. That's where yeah, they beat yeah. you. That's where it all starts for Allen. You know, for all the uh, all the star power that they've had a quarterback over the years, that offensive line has been. Um, I mean, just look at the NFL draft with <laughs> Bobby Evans and Greg Little getting picked, and then you know they just sent a you know they had a five star, four or five star prospect, and EJ and Domo Ogar is going off to Oklahoma. JD Walton got drafted a ways back. I mean, the Allen offensive line is, I mean, just a a perennial just juggernaut unit. Don't they put like backup because they've been up so so many points that the like the backup basically get a lot of PT so they uh, yeah I mean, these guys have probably had quality playing time that, that are playing you know they went four times Dodgers. yeah yeah no that's that's a fair point too just because they're up yeah they're up five touchdowns or so midway through the third quarter and then for the last quarter and a half yeah they start cycling in the backup so they do have kids that have gotten reps now granted it's kind of the same situation as like in Raylan Sharp the quarterback where you're going up against either backups or tired first team you know first team uh, you know defenses and whatnot so it's not entirely the the same thing as far as some names that are kind of in the mix for um, for the offensive line, you know, you have guys like Josiah Nicholas, Colton Ellert, who was an injury fill-in last year deep in the playoff run. Allen had some injuries on the offensive line. He was one of the guys that had to step up in the uh, like the Duncanville game, for example. So, I mean, that's a you want to you want to you want a baptism by fire. How about uh, an offensive lineman getting your first uh, one of your first serious varsity action against Duncanville in that D line? That D line is probably one of the best I've seen because uh, I was at the state mm-hmm. championship game. They uh, there's a kid that's on the North Shore line that's going to Alabama. He had all kinds of fits that oh, yeah. day. I mean, so that's how good that team no, no, is. That was a historically <laughs> great defense, that, and Allen yeah. almost pulled it off. Allen almost took him down, had as much success against them as any team in the state did. Um, getting back to their offensive line, man, that mic is giving you all sorts of trouble, Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, Eddie Ko, Tanner Norris, Jackson Newville, who's a name that I recognize from uh, from John Paul II. He was a transfer from there, had an all-district campaign as a, as a freshman for John Paul last year. And then in the defensive line, you know, guys like Lane Lewis, Cole Latos, who was a uh, standout power hitter for the baseball team. Uh, Cyrus McDougal, uh, Michael Owen Zurike, who I believe had an older brother named Levi, who was the 968 Defensive Player of the Year just a few years ago, currently tearing it up at, uh, at Washington. And then they've also moved their um, an all-district first team selection at tight end, Elijah Fisher. He's now playing on the defensive line as well, so they're having to kind of switch things up to try to find the best mix of personnel. I feel like the defensive line might at least, in theory, be in better shape as far as which unit could potentially approximate what it had last year, just because you mentioned kind of the uh, the depth that these units have and the defensive line it doesn't matter whether it's garbage time or not like they rotate their defensive line right. so frequently so you had guys like Cole Latos and Michael Owen Zurke who played at least 275 snaps last oh, wow. season so despite being backups they got plenty of run last year and meaningful run too so um, that experience might be a little bit tougher to draw from on the O-line again like I said you're referring to guys that mostly saw a lot of time in garbage time and whatnot. so it'll be interesting to see but yeah, I mean, Allen is going to be brand new in a lot of capacities, and uh, yeah, the offensive and defensive lines are right at the forefront of a uh, of a new look for Allen next season. Um, Do they go undefeated ten years in a row in district? In district, 
at, the, at some point, even despite all that, like, A, you have to ask the question, like, they, they kind of get the benefit of the doubt. And yeah. B, like, who do you really see sneaking up on them at this point? I don't see any. I mean, has, it, has somebody on the, on this district, now granted, like you said, surprises come yeah. out of nowhere. I mean, they almost lost back in 2012, Kyler Murray's first year. <laughs> he goes back. Like, no, because no, I remember <laughs> saying. Like oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, Plano Senior almost snuck on him. was a two-point conversion away from beating Allen in Eagle Stadium back in, uh, you know, Kyler Murray's first year quarterback. And that was a Plano team that, I mean, nobody would have right. seen that coming. So, I mean, these challenges can it's, happen out of the It's blue. a matter of timing, too, though, right? Because if if last year's Plano East team, if that whole crop is juniors and they have mm-hmm. that team this year against an Allen team that's completely reloading, yeah. maybe that goes differently. But just looking around the rest of the district, I don't, I don't see anybody that's going to really challenge them, at least you yeah. know, as of right now. Now those non-district games, I mean, they get Cedar yeah. Hill to start, and that game could be, uh, that could be a little uh, a little tricky. So, um, but we'll see. Um, let's see, who else? We haven't talked about... Uh, what's talked Prosper, about Prosper got going on? Yeah, what's Prosper got going on? So we can close this out with a look at Prosper. I'm not doubting Prosper anymore. Nope. That, is my, uh, that is my mission statement for the 2019-2020 school year. I am not doubting Prosper in any capacity. Um, I mean, they made the playoffs in every standings-based sport last year, all eight of them. They were, um, them and Allen were basically one a and one B as far as the yep. best programs in District Nine Six A. Now, f- to be fair though, the football team does have some pretty key contributors to uh, to replace. They're going to have a new quarterback. Keegan mm-hmm. Shoemaker has moved on. Going to have a new running back because Wayne Anderson has moved on, and they're going to have a new lead receiver. Justine Clark has graduated as well. And just looking at the at those three specifically and their production last year, at least as far as finding the end zone, Shoemaker was responsible for 23 of their 24 passing touchdowns. Anderson was responsible of 18 of their 32 rushing touchdowns, and Clark was responsible for 14 of their 24 wow. receiving touchdowns. So those three guys, I mean, if basically the odds say if Prosser ever found the end zone. Zone, those three yeah. are more than likely going to be uh, in on it. So, um, as far as who's kind of in line to take over, um, Jackson Berry, who was a quarterback that saw some time last year. Now, he was used a lot of times when they got kind of near the goal line. He had six rushing touchdowns. Um, like he was, the Beltos are back in the game. Yeah. So, he's, um, it you know, stands to reason that his role will expand quite a bit this coming season. You know, they're, uh, at least their uh, number two running back, JT Lane's back. He had five touchdowns last season. And then Hayden Metcalf, who was a, uh, you know, he only had, um, you know, said Clark was I mean, Justin Clark had, you know, 14 touchdowns, and the next highest was Hayden Metcalf with three. And Hayden Metcalf, of those receptions that he did have, he had 34 catches. He made the most of them. He had 17 yards per catch last season. They always have a big play guy like that because it was a um, shout-out to Everett Jefferson back in the day. Yeah. They, they always had that one guy that's going to make that big those big plays. And they have a, always have a solid line. That line last year was pretty good. Oh, yeah, they had quite a few guys that were, like, that average, you know, more than 14 yards per catch last season. So it's going to be a little bit of a different look from Prosper. They still have Jake Majors up front, you know, one of the top offensive linemen in the, uh, in the air. Yep, UT commit. Um, and then their defense, you know, guys like Aiden Siano, who was the defensive newcomer of the year last year out of 96A. Um, you know, defensive lineman Will uh, Prendergast. Pr- Prendergast. That's, that's a tough last name to pronounce. And then uh, Josh Graham in the secondary. Um, I mean, I don't know if they'll tie for second like they did last year but at the same it's, time like I'm not doubting them as far as being a fixture in the playoffs they've shown that they yeah. they acclimate just fine to the level of competition you would expect that they're still going to be very formidable one way or another yeah it's just really strange because I don't want to say I mean I don't doubt them anymore either they made the, the postseason in all eight sports but football if you want to use quote unquote weaker I guess even though where they finished I feel like that transition was a little harder that was a little more of a task to try to keep up with some of those programs uh, and then they're going to lose a ton but I think the theme of this entire podcast and of this whole district is that underneath Allen 
Like none of us really have any idea what what any of these teams and even are going to be. We're just like, kind of going off of just precedent yeah. because they got so many question marks like, as well. What are any of these teams going to be? They're yeah. all going to be completely different. It feels like I don't think anybody really carries over hardly anything. So it's it's going to be a trip for sure. Yeah, this should be a fun, fun, fun district with so much uncertainty around 96A. And that is a look at kind of where the uh, at where these schools are at, and that will uh, that'll conclude this episode of the podcast, and that'll conclude our spring football roundup series. We will pick things up on Thursday, relaunching our uh, our school year in review series, put a nice little bow on what all of our markets accomplished throughout the 2018-19 school year. And um, yeah, folks, hey, keep enjoying your week, and we will talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.